here's how I started from nothing, how in 2008, 2009, I went broke. Right. Uh, from a multi-million dollar business, I made all the bad decisions and the crisis and everything else around me crumbled. Right. I picked back up and within a few years I was back up and I said, I'd never make those mistakes again. On this episode of the Introverted Iconoclast, we welcome Alex Oliveira. Alex has unlocked the key to successfully balancing work and family life, something with which many entrepreneurs struggle. His secret? Simple. Family first. This was a refreshing conversation and a healthy departure from the usual grind until you make it at all costs stories that we hear all too often. Alex is truly authentic and his keen sense of what is actually important. Time is truly inspiring. I hope you enjoy. Alex Oliveira, man, for the fourth time on another platform to see if we can get this podcast to work. <laughs> nice to be here today, Kareem. No, absolutely. These things happen, man. And, you know, you're in the tech industry. I'm, I'm MarTech, marketing technology, and, yeah. you know, it happens. It does, man. Well, thanks for your patience with this. And, you know, if I didn't know any better, man, I would say the effects of what I've been doing the last few days might be taking, uh, taking a toll, right? I hope I'm not being targeted here and they're coming after my yeah. podcast. That's right. right. The Russians are coming for you. You and I right. were talking about that before. It's such a, such yeah. a sad situation going on. It is. And, you know, I, again, hats off to guys like you, man, who are out there, you know, trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things we could probably spend the entire podcast talking about that because, you know, all the ramifications and the implications for everything, our daily life, uh, kids, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm luckily, it's funny, it's serendipitously, I'm here in Maui. That's actually where I'm, I'm doing this from, and uh, which is wonderful. I had the good fortune of getting this place after I sold my last company. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fear uh, going on out there in, in you know, the mainland as far as, you know, the, the power grids, the water treatment facilities, all the things that could be targeted by these threat actors, you know. And uh, so I've been fielding a lot of call out of call. So very, very uh, interesting stuff that... Um, has been going on, but, uh, but man, we're here for good stuff. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm keen to hear a little bit about Alex here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, thanks for having me here today. And you know, about me, my background, I'm originally from Brazil, came here when I was 11 years old and my parents, like most immigrants came, worked a lot of odd jobs, but I come from like a big family. My mom had 13 brothers and sisters, my dad, 11. Wow. Literally almost a hundred first cousins between both, both families, you know, wow, man. So yeah, big family was tough to come over here, learn the language, all of that. But like most immigrants, man, we came to for to have a better life, and and that we did. My mom and dad started their own company, so entrepreneurship's been into my blood. My first job was as a busboy when I was 11 years old at a restaurant here in Delray Beach, Florida. Nice. And yeah, man, it, it's again, I, I've had the good fortune of having really good people around me throughout my life to right. steer me in the right direction when I was going in the wrong direction. Sure. And then in college, I, I met my wife. She was my next door neighbor. We got married, had four kids. <laughs> and here we are. She's been my partner in crime. We've had like three successful businesses wow. um, in the last uh, 16 years. So it's been, it's been good, man. That's amazing, man. So what got you into sharing some of these stories? I mean, was it, was there a catalyst that got you into podcasting? Cause I know the name of your podcast is Datapreneur, I think is, which is pretty awesome. I thought that was a great name. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, the, yeah. the Datapreneur thing was, I felt like when I took on big clients, I couldn't really talk about the company culture that I was trying to build, mm -hmm. which was right. family first. Yep. And then I finally, around 2017, when my company went fully virtual, I had about 40 employees in an office, like the typical company. Our five-year lease was up. I said, we're going to go virtual because that's right. where everybody wants to be. They want to do family first. And I realized that there's that separation between work and family and some clients don't want to hear about that. And I that's said, true. That's, that's my family comes first, man. And it doesn't, doesn't impact yeah. the work that I do. I'm going to deliver every time. Right. And same right. thing. So in my world, agencies are a dime a dozen lead gen guys and whatnot. So often they want to paint this picture that like, Hey, we're the type of company that'll grind for your brand 24 hours a day. Yeah. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to let clients know that like, listen, we're, we're people, 
yeah. and families, we're going to work hard for you and deliver. Yeah. But family comes first. And I felt like the dadpreneur was just a, an yeah. easy way to say dad first, entrepreneur second. That's great, man. No, and you know, you bring up something really important. It's been literally the theme, no kidding, between some of my monologue podcasts. And then yesterday I had one with this gentleman that was amazing. He had a really interesting method for balancing your life in terms of the archetypes that you take on, right? You know, we're both different guys when we go into a business engagement than we are when we're home playing with our kids. And, you know, that context switching is a pretty interesting, you know, thing because sometimes we forget to switch back. <laughs> Every now and then you'll get too roped into work and then you, you're, kind of, you're sitting at dinner zoning off, you know, thinking about what's going on with the, the day. And it's like, look, it's time to quit. You know, it's time to shift back to being, you know, the person you really are and let that go for a minute. And I really like what you said, because it sounds like you're you're one of the few people I've actually heard really address that issue, which is that people, you know, and it's funny because, you know, you, you said your origins are Brazilian, which is there's a very familial culture there, similar to Mediterranean culture and Europe, Europe in general has more of a um, work to live rather than live to work approach. And I totally do that now. Uh, I did the whole absolutely kill it and sacrifice certain things to get somewhere, which I'm grateful for. But now my strategy is to balance better. And I think you, your, your guideline for that is really important because if you start breaking, if you start putting entrepreneur before the dad piece, you're going to lose a lot more than your money uh, or your success. So that's a great point. What? But I think that it, 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 it needs to be said for those first stage entrepreneurs. Yeah, green, the point. Like, you, gotta hustle. you and I earned it. Yeah. We hustled. Had I tried this method first, I probably would have failed a lot. But no, I tried the 100 hour work weeks, grind, 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 make that money, exit, reinvest that money, and, and then keep growing your wealth. Because when you have that, I mean, that's the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about it's the money. Yeah, honestly, like if you don't have the funds, retained earnings, investing, you know, ethically and all of that, yeah. like you can't do this the right way. And so it, it is a long road. So when I, I spoke recently at a, a university last week with a class of seniors and I said, you know, how many of you want to do the entrepreneurship thing? These are Gen Z's. Yeah, of course. Like a lot of them are like, yeah, me, me. I'm like, listen, take a step back for you to become a successful story. Yeah. Honestly, it may be one in a million who are, who's going to hit it big right out the shoot. Right. So go out and work for a company, prove yourself, mm -hmm. use all their resources. Then you get to a point five, 10 years into it where then you're ready for the big show. Right. So yeah, it takes time. Like you didn't get to where you are overnight with the things uh, that you can do today, like vacation, work, do all of that. You couldn't have done that 20 years ago. That's absolutely correct, man. No, you bring up an excellent point. There's no shortcuts uh, and their sacrifices are, you can't forego them, right? If there was some playbook to forego all the hard parts of this, I mean, who wouldn't be doing that, man? So you're, you're totally right because that's the same thing I was telling this guy, same, same situation where I said my younger employees, they have stock in the company, they have aspirations, right? They're starting to think about what might happen if we sell this company and what they'll do. And, you know, it's everything from as, as, you remember the good old days when it's like, I'll get that car to, yeah. I'll get that house to then more sophisticated stuff. Like where I'm, I'm like, guys, I want to reduce down. I want to get rid of some things that are burdening me, not add to it. I want to be reductive. I want to be experiential. Now I want to go have more fun, like things. I don't want to get things. I don't want to accrue stuff. It's time. The time is what we want. In 2017, yeah. when I went uh, virtual, Mm -hmm. took another year for me to make the biggest change, which was, I said to my wife, how about if we move out of South Florida where there's about 7 million people and it was the hustle and bustle? Yeah. How about if we move closer to Central Florida where it's a, a, a county here in the Space Coast where there's 600,000 people? We actually watch the SpaceX launches, which are right. about 40 miles from where we are. It was a huge change in the pace of life. So I must say that for me, I don't know about for other people, the setting played a huge role right. in slowing down our lives so that we can take take ownership of our time. So then we decided to do homeschool with the four kids mm -hmm. and to buy an RV and go travel and take as much time as we wanted off. Yeah. And I got to say that for the last four years, I, I, it's it's been just a blessing and, and not right. without its challenges for sure. Of course, uh, of course. But yeah. we're better off than if we were in that in that setting where it was just like yeah. even traffic going from my, like when I lived in South Florida, going from my house, which is 
15 miles to my mom's, it could take 30, 45 minutes. Sure. No, absolutely. like crazy. Yeah. So you're losing a lot of life in that process. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of good time wasted, so to speak. Right. Um, no, it's really interesting, man. Well, it, it's, I, I don't know whether or not, and tell me, I'm curious if you have the same opinion, you know, you're now probably the fourth person in not even less than a few months now that I've sat with and talked with that has completely said, that's it. I don't know if it's a pandemic that's caused this or, you know, or maybe it's been a catalyst for it shifting entirely away from the, the, the conventional way of doing things and saying, we're going to up uproot and leave homeschooling kids. I do the same thing, man. Like, and it's more and more common where we're hearing this. And I know that the pandemic did force the agenda with some people that never would have done it, but sure. I'm hearing that people are sort of adapting to this idea. They're taking it on themselves. Um, and man, that's a whole conversation in its own right about education of our kids, man. I'll tell you, they don't get trained for life at all in school. So I'm actually happy with this. This really, they get to see what I do for work. They watch me live life and, and navigate struggles that they're never going to get taught in a conventional system. And I'm sure that's exactly your motivation too. Um, it is, it yeah. is. And, and we, and we said out like out to shoot, like if we can't offer yeah. an experience on all levels, academically, whatever. Like, if we can't do it better than what they would get out there, then we have to ask them and we have to be honest with ourselves if yeah. we're in way over our heads and say, okay, guys, we're, we're going to go back to the way it was. Um, but it didn't, it didn't happen that way. It's better on all fronts. Okay. And um, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, that's really amazing, man. What's, what's going to be the next steps in, in this evolution of your of this like is it going to continue to stay a podcast is it going to be a, a, how are you fun are you going to fundamentally make this some sort of platform if it's not if it's not already for that matter yeah i mean i'm working towards that i mean i authored a book that i had been working on for a year so i figured i package it all together yeah. um i can't convince people to want to do it my way i can only say like here's how i started yeah. from nothing how in 2008 2009 i went broke Right. Uh, from a multi-million dollar business, I made all the bad decisions and the crisis and everything else around me crumbled. Right. I picked back up and within a few years I was back up and I said, I'd never make those mistakes again. Mm -hmm. And I have it. Uh, so I'm very like diligent to never fall back into that. And since then I've been on this path where everything is really not so planned, but intentional. I want to live every day to the fullest man and have like really great experiences with my kids nice you know take care of my health and 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 then be have a vision for the whole dadpreneur brand that is to help other business owners right because in my world there's just way too many companies that make big promises but they don't deliver and thankfully i i right. could say this that with my company today i i don't have to do day like day in day out operations that's great. And we're still growing. So I can invest that time into giving back because I, I have to say a lot of people have given me that opportunity when I didn't have anything. Yeah. So I feel like it's, I, I have a responsibility and my wife feels that way too. And it's not just simply giving to a nonprofit, but saying to another small business owner who doesn't know how to grow their business. That's right. all the tools. Now it's not going to work out for everybody because not everybody can execute. Mm-hmm but I could be there to, to guide them in the right direction, you know? And I think entrepreneurship and owning your own business is just, it's just like the best thing in the world. It know? is, man. It is, you know, and it's funny that, you know, the old uh, terminology from kind of medieval times or the Renaissance, the, the guilds, remember that mm -hmm. term or sure. apprenticeships? Yeah. Those have died so much over the last, I don't know, probably hundred years, certainly with modern, us culture i should be clear you know with this whole funnel you through a system and you must kind of come out doing something very specific it's really sad because that's died you know in my industry for example we're at a very in a you know pivotal piece of the business where there is no school they can come right out of and do the job they've got to spend time with someone that's done it before to learn all the tricks of the trade and it's much more like a guild it's like an apprenticeship you sound like you'd be poised for something along those lines where, like you said, you're going to guide, you're going to be the guideline. This is how things work. This is a little bit more of the secret sauce behind my success. How does this translate to you? And then you can kind of create, you can train the trainer. I mean, you've got a wonderful platform for that now from the look of it, because you've got a formula that people aspire to get to, which I, I think is really brilliant because that's the goal. If you can yeah. provide what people want, like I, the same situation here, like I'm living or I'm 
visiting for the moment my actual house here, which is beautiful. And I bought it after my last sale. And that's what inspires people. They're like, I want that. And I'm like, well, that's the thing. It's the experience <laughs> you need to be pursuing. And it's true it this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, for us, I mean, having the time and I definitely equate time and you're still trying to build wealth mm-hmm. so you can leave a legacy. You're investing, you're growing. There's a lot of moving pieces. You you know, you have to worry about your employees, your clients, your vendors, yeah. the community, all these promises that you made. Mm-hmm. And and then and then say, okay, in addition to that, in my case, right before the pandemic, I said, I, I was already committed to doing yeah. the dadpreneur thing. So for me, it was like, well, I I work towards that and I'm gonna keep going. And even though the pandemic kind of forced me to work more on my business, mm-hmm. I I said, you know what? I'm going to continue with this. So I didn't do it the first year in 2020 to finish writing the book. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick it, pick it up until 2021. And then I finished it. Um, and then again, everything that's in there, it's what you said, Kareem. It's a formula. Mm-hmm. It's a formula. And I have to say, as an entrepreneur, I've failed at a lot of formulas just because I wasn't a good student, right? So right. if I, <laughs> oh, somebody gives me a system and I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Let me yeah, I'm bored with it. I'm going to yep. do it my way. It's like, it's like, I'll tell you what, I bought a, a Wi-Fi, one of those little Wi-Fi things that uh, pick up on to extend yes. the, the signal wow. in the house. Yeah. So I bought one of those and I, I'm pretty good with technology, but my wife is better. So I just right. said to her, I tried the first two ways, download the app and connect yep. it. And it, I get frustrated. She said, but have you read the instructions? I said, oh no, no, no not at all. That? <laughs> so she picked it up it, literally this was uh yesterday she picked yeah. it up and uh five minutes later she had it connected yeah right she works great with formula so i i'm i lead with this to say that for people who aren't good at formulas i mm. get it man i'm yeah. not good with formulas but i do know this when you follow them man and when you're disciplined yeah good things happen i totally agree man it's funny because structure like we joke about my kids, right? My, I have a 16 year old. He'll do more effort, put more time, conviction into cheating on his homework and trying to get the answer somehow than doing it, man. You know, and it's funny, it's the same, same mode, right? Like, it's kind of like, you know, this was a lot faster route. You completely just, you went, you went circles around this with it took way longer than you would have. You just did it, but I was the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't blame him. But it's funny. People, human nature is bizarre that way. It is. It is. I think as you get older, though, you recognize that the, you know, the, 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 the most valuable things, the greatest things that you build as a body of work, there is no shortcut. It's just no. grinding, yeah. doing your homework and working right. it. Yeah. And I didn't understand that at an early age. It was just more like throw as many darts as I can, <laughs> move fast. How can I do the shortcut? And yeah, yeah I, I found out that it didn't work that way. You know? Right. Right. You know, it's, but it's interesting because I think that, um, someone was telling me the difference between, you know, being taught and learning, there's that big divide. That's sort of a strange way to frame it the way they said it, but I do get their point, which was you'd learned through those crazy processes that maybe felt futile then. And maybe you're like now, and I do the same thing in hindsight. I'm like, that was a waste, but I don't know if it really was. Honestly, I think all those led to this. Right. I totally agree. It shapes yeah. you. Yeah. It shapes everything. You know, all those mistakes. I mean, without them, uh, absolutely. I would say for me, that 2008, 2009 financial crisis, mm-hmm. that had such a big impact in not only my life, but my wife's life as well. Right. Because we went from millions to like nothing right. in such a small period of time because I was over leveraged. I had business in Brazil. I had real estate, homes, like all these other things. Wow. <laughs> and then it was like... Okay, 19 credit lines, two broken businesses, like I have nowhere else to go, yeah. but to downsize and start over. And it was okay. It was right. okay because we were healthy and we were young. At the time, we didn't have kids. I, I should say that, that yeah. the following year, yeah. My, fir- yeah, my first son was born. And we talk about this, like, I cannot imagine right. going through what we went through then if we had kids. Oh, man. I couldn't agree more. Literally, my youngest now is seven right? And it's a new world. Like we have a completely different outlook on life. My wife and I have a different outlook on life than we did when they were young. Don't get me wrong. Those were beautiful times. I'll cherish them when they were small, but man, it's a struggle. And especially when there's other things going on, 
So I think that's a really good point for listeners that we have, both of us, right? The listeners that are, you know, sitting and thinking about starting something and they look around the room and they've got these huge responsibilities. You, you, you need to take an inventory of your ability to do things um, because people bite off more than they can chew a lot of times. And I have a lot of friends that did exactly what you said. They started at, there's no perfect time. I, I don't want to, you know, suggest that, oh, well, you know, wait forever. But there are moments, come on, you know, you got a one-year-old screaming in the corner or, a, you know, a, an infant and you're trying to do a startup. That's hard. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. And I think in for, getting informed on what you don't know, right? There's yeah. a saying, uh, right. uh, I forget who said it, like, you don't know what you don't know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. But um, um, the point of that to me is that in my case, it was always the blind spots that screwed me big time right. because I wasn't willing to learn more about it. So what I tell clients, like, especially the startups that come to me and say, look, I raised some money mm -hmm. and I want to throw $100,000 in lead gen or marketing. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, let's step back. Mm -hmm. Show me your market research, the product market fit, the audience, the, 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 have you done right. the surveys? Did you benchmark it against competition? Like all these questions and they come up empty with, with not a single answer. And I'm like, right. okay, so I'm going to point to the, the, the SBA and, and all the different surveys that are done by really respected organizations that show you yeah. that the number one reason why businesses fail, 86% of them fail in the first five years. Mm -hmm. The number one reason lack of product market fit yeah it's, it's, agree so you're like building this great thing and saying i hope they come if i build it they're gonna come they're not gonna come man i don't even care if you have a ton of money for marketing <laughs> is there a need like what you do security cybersecurity? that's a no-brainer but you still have to have a value proposition with the service right yeah. Yeah, you, you could have you could have been in my meeting earlier this this morning with someone because it's funny. Look, cybersecurity, you know, you're absolutely right. It is probably one of those things where you could you you could throw a dart and whatever you land, there's probably gonna be some sort of vague interest there. I say vague, there's gonna be an interest, but that doesn't that doesn't guarantee success. So, like for example, product market fit, man. God, I bet you anything, you and I could compare notes for for days on how many times I've had entrepreneurs come with a solution that they're trying to find the problem for. <laughs> do you love that one yeah yeah because you, you you feel like yeah look i got this yeah. it's like oh yeah but where's the problem well i'll find it it's like no 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 no. you got to start the other way around because frankly if you don't have a tam you know using terms uh, not not to get sure. audience members but if you don't have a, a total addressable market that's going to be one of value to make sure that people will either invest in your product because that's the number one thing investors look for they're trying to figure out if there's scale here if this is something of, it's, it, it's just a mom and pop deal, is it a small lifestyle business or is it something investable that can grow? Those are the big things. And that's hard sometimes. I mean, I'm not, I think you and I have been out of uh, the ease of this, but it's not easy, right? It's not easy. And, and in addition to that, Kareem, yeah. I've been in so many meetings where they say, well, but listen, I've got my MVP. And again, we're using jargon here, but the minimum yeah. viable product, but and, and I'm saying, yeah, but your MVP sucks. Yeah. There's like no compelling, like compared to the competition, they're saying, well, we're going to go to market with this MVP and then we'll find out. And I'm like, right. cause of fail fast and all of that. And I'm like, right. to me, it sounds horrible because maybe there's three, four examples of, of that, that, right. that, that worked. Right. But mostly if you go read into how long it took that founder to build that thing, they didn't yeah. do it in a vacuum. Like, Oh, yeah. just traveling. And then I came up with an idea and then I sat down and then it just worked. It doesn't work that way, man. So the, I'm not a big fan of MVPs for that reason, because I, I always try to push clients and saying, well, I'm sorry, your system, your automation system here is sucks. It's mm -hmm. Mickey mouse. And it leaves the customer feeling like the journey sucks. Right. So why would you go to market with that? Why don't we spend a few more weeks or months yeah. building a, not the maximum, but like a medium experience. Yeah. Right? right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You got to give them, it's so competitive. That's the thing. And, and again, I'm trying to temper my narrative so that it's not like it's futile. Right. Cause I do that every time, every now and then I'll tell people, <laughs> because you know, you forget how much we forget how much we've gone through already to get to where we are. And, and when people are starting from the beginning, you know, especially with like the fundamentals, it's like, you've got a long way to go before you start thinking about that. Like you said, MVPs that are built on the one on a whim without any research can be very dangerous. And a lot of, a lot of sad, wasted tech, tech with you on that. Yeah. Uh, 
but no, I think what's interesting if, if, uh, you know, as it relates to what you're doing. So now do you, will you, will you eventually move into being built? I'm going to put it this way as, as cleanly as I can. You are the product now, right, Alex? Like you're, you and your family or, or your wife and, and you are the product. Big question I get and part of why I moved from being a consultant into building a product from a cybersecurity standpoint or a service that can be decoupled from me. That's the magic in my mind, because if I'm the sole deliverer of the service or value, then I have a scale problem, right? Because there's only so much Kareem to go around, so much Alex to go around. How have you figured out how to start divesting the value away from you into something that could be given sold to someone or, or separate from you? That's a great question. And I, I struggled with it because like Predic, my other company, yeah, year one, I hit 700,000 in sales. Year two, one and a half million, two million. And it just kept growing that company. Yeah. And then I decided to slow it down. And I'm not kidding. I had friends in the industry say, what's the matter with you? You're doing all this so you can do this shift. And But how are you going to have an exit strategy? And uh, there were companies that were looking to buy us, then said, well, if if you're not part of the package, like they call it an aqua hire, mm -hmm. I yeah. wouldn't buy you. I would only buy you if you came on board for like the next two, three years. And blah, blah. Yeah. I said, well, I'm not looking to do that. I'll keep building this company to a point where I can sell it. Right. And maybe I sell it to some of the employees. I'm not sure. Right. But right now it is growing. We are bringing on new clients and I don't have to be there every day because, you know, I spent over a decade building a system. Yeah. There is some software that we built there to do this automation. And on this side, I've got the brand, which you're right. I am the product. But my ultimate goal, Kareem, is to bring on other dads, got other it. dads and entrepreneurs yeah. that because there are things that I'm not super passionate about. Let's say fitness. I yeah. love to play basketball. We go biking, hiking, sure. but that's not something I want to document in my life. Yeah. But, but I would like to have a dad that that's like his thing, right? an entrepreneur right. that might own a gym that comes to, to the dadpreneur platform and says, I own the lifestyle subject matter. There you go. Someone that maybe that it's means. security. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's not just me. It's more of a community that we can build. Mm -hmm. And, and that isn't, um, it, it, it's, we're just monetizing it in a different way. Yeah. It's more altruistic, which I know is not attractive to a lot of people. Uh, but what it does for me, Kareem, what it does for me and for my brand, my clients, everything on the other stuff that I'm involved in, yeah. it does feed back into to that. And I can tell you 100% that the podcast and being on podcasts like, like I am here on yours right. has absolutely helped my personal and business brand yep. by getting yep. out there. So it, it, it it works, the ecosystem, sure. but you just have to stay with it and be consistent. And I think, you know, I, I like not having the pressure of saying, man, I got to monetize this podcast and newsletter <laughs> and book like the book, for example. So I've got a book here. You know, I always dreamt of writing a book. I spent a lot of time, man. There's 70,000 words here. Wow. And with the book, my goal was like, man, if I could sell 10,000 copies, but in the first month I sold a little bit over a thousand. Right. Self-published. That's amazing. On, on, yeah. On Amazon. But it was my lead gen funnel and the way I built it. Sure. Um, friends and family probably make up about a hundred of those sales. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's part but, of it. Um, but yeah. now I know I can sell 10,000, which yeah. for New York Times bestseller, if you want to apply to that, I'm already out of that because you have to sell 10,000 in like the first week. Okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already month one, month two, because it's January, February, right. and I'm still at around a thousand, but I'm not worried about that because yeah. it doesn't need to be a cash cow. I just, I just need to know that it's making a difference in people's lives, man. Sure, man. Yeah. So. And you, you said something really important. That's actually, it's brand, right? So if you don't have the proverbial product to divest away from you to sell, you know, like what I'm working on, which is going to be something that a company will buy, I'll probably steward it into the firm that acquires us and I'll help guide it, blah, blah, blah. But then eventually I can leave, you know, and I can go and be separate from it and it'll live on its own as an independent thing. Same goes for kind of a brand. I mean, a brand is its own like kind of product. I know people never think of it that way, but that's exactly what you're saying. So your subject matter experts that are all together under this banner, as long as they all subscribe to a similar process and procedure and, 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 um, you know, uh, archetype that you're designing, then you got something that can be, you know, Alex can relax from it a little bit and let 
you know, it takes shape by itself and carry get momentum by itself, which is, I think, the key point here. Momentum yeah. is a big one people forget about a lot too. It's like, like you said, with your book, it needs that momentum. Maybe the next one will be the momentum that you really, it catapults up there. And that's, that's not every, that not everything like that's under your control. I'm not mean Alex, oh. I mean, anyone's, I mean, well, yeah. cause, cause you can only put so much uh, effort into yeah. the things that are working. And I remember this, this banker 2005, I remember as a client, we did a big renovation. I used to have a construction company then and Kurt Yonker was his name. And I had a couple different businesses and we got to talking and he's a banker and he's saying, look, I, I get that you want to build these other things here, but from where I stand, where I sit, that's the thing that is working. So my advice to you, Alex, is follow the money. And I never forgot that. And, and I failed to do that, Kareem, in 2008, 2009, which was follow the money. Yeah. I didn't follow the money. I was like, oh, shiny object syndrome <laughs> here. Like, oh, Same cool. Yeah. And, and, and I learned that. And so today, like if I think about the book and the podcast and newsletter and other things that I'm involved in, they're not going to make it in the top two, mm. three things that I'm doing, but they will, they, they're sort of ancillary. Um, and then I invest in, in startups, which fulfill my need right. to dabble in a bunch of stuff, right? Like sure. one, one company I recently invested in is called um, Deep Sentinel. Uh, and they do like, AI home security. Really oh, cool. Yeah. And I invested in them through the syndicate, which is a community of about 8,000 uh, accredited investors with Jason Calacanons and those guys. Right. And I, I did that because I dabbled in investing directly as an investor and I wasn't really good at it. Right. I wasn't yeah. really good at it. So I said, well, maybe I should just join a group and they do the due diligence and then I yeah. come in and I get excited for that company. Like, and then that bug yeah. that we all have as entrepreneurs is fulfilled, but I'm yep. also going to make money on the investment, which is great. Totally. Totally agree, man. And that's the thing that makes it really interesting is that when you can vary your energies to all these different things and kind of butterfly from one thing, so that, that's the goal, right? Because that keeps you guys like, I'm sure similar to you or similar to me, I'm sure you're very similar to me that way. Um, where, I'm not just satisfied. I'm not a, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> you know, I've got all these interests that are, that are varied. I am like, just like you, I like physical activities. You know, I like to do things that are beyond just simply. So I, I need that stimulus from these different kinds of things. And, you know, the other thing, and I'll leave, I know we're, you know, coming up on some time here, but I definitely want to, we addressed several things. And one of the ones that I always zero in on, on almost everyone is about risk the willingness to take risks, you know, man, you did, you, you already told me some stories that give me, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, I know that man, I've been there, but man, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to folks. And that is the one thing that they can't to get over. They can't take the risk. They can't take that leap. And it's, we're the guys through the looking glass that they keep looking at going, what was it, man? What made you finally take the, was it someone, was it your wife? Was it your, you know, what, what did it for you, Alex? What made you take those chances, those leaps? Oh man, that's such a good one. I think you're right. It's, it's up there. Your propensity to take risks can be the barrier between success and failure because you get in your head and yeah. you're like, well, what if, what if, and you're doing, you know, math to it's like, dude, then you're not believing in yourself because when I know I believe in myself, yeah, I know it might be hard as hell. And I'd be putting, I'm, maybe I'm putting everything on the line, but I'm, I believe that I will come out on top on the other side. Now, having a goal to reach, let's say, 100 million versus 10 million. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to understand that things take time and you can't only take risks that will lead you to that 100 million, let's say, if we're talking about financially revenue here. Right. Because that's not how it works. The real world doesn't work that way. That's right. So all I all I know is that I could I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna keep going forward, and I'll take the those risks. The things that excite me are the things that make me feel uncomfortable as shit. Like <laughs> that's so true. That's oh man, I get excited. If I get butterflies yeah. or excitement, whatever it is, scared. Yeah. Um, it's like great. Then I know I'm doing something big. Because yeah. if I'm doing stuff that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable, sometimes it just feels like Eh. And financially too. I mean, I take a chance in some of these startups. Yeah. 
I'm thinking about my family and should I invest here or not? I'm trying to be smart about it, but you have to take the risks because if you don't take the risks, man, um, and, and it's the same in marketing. I tell you in Legion, I have clients who what's holding them back from growing is I'm saying like, all right, you guys are doing, let's say 5 million in, in revenue. And for you to get to seven, mm. eight, nine, 10, you need to hire a, a sales team, five, 10 salespeople. Oh, I'm not going to do that because right. there's a bunch. I said, just generating more lead and marketing and driving traffic to your website, you're not going to grow. Like you need a sales force yeah. to go sell. Yes. I can get you the leads, but if you're not ever going to take that risk for, a, you have a thousand reasons, stop thinking that you're going to be able to scale because you're not. And then I see the clients who do take that risk and say, okay, I'm not as a founder, the best person to train sales, but I'm going to bring in a guy who is, and I'm yeah. going to grow the sales team and then you grow, but you have to take that risk. Yeah, you know, exactly, man. And you know, it's funny. Have you heard the story? I'm, I'm probably going to, I'm paraphrasing it. It's not perfect, but you know, the story of Bezos, love him or hate him, you know, founder of Amazon. I know several stories, but which one are you? Uh, well, it's the one that really got him to start Amazon. I was very surprised to hear the story because apparently he came up with the idea of Amazon while he was employed by some company. He, was, okay. he wasn't this, I don't know that much about his background before then, but he went to his boss at the company that he worked for and he goes, and he apparently had a good relationship with him. He said, look, I'm actually thinking about leaving my job with where you're my boss. And I'm thinking about doing this thing over here. And he goes, what do you think? He asked the guy's opinion. He asked his boss the opinion. That's pretty cool. And he had a, must have had one hell of a good relationship with the guy, right? And the guy said something that was, he even says it today, was the most pivotal, and I'm paraphrasing it a bit, but he said the boss told him, go home, take a few days to think about this. And in your thought process, think about how you're going to feel. Try to do your best to visualize sitting on a rocking chair on a porch somewhere when you're 80. And you sit back and you think about th these days, these, this, this week and the next few days that you're going to take to make a decision, a trajectory, this fork in the road, and think about how you're going to feel in both directions. Are you going to feel great that you stayed here and that you didn't take the dangerous path and that you were, you were, you know, you were uh, prudent and you didn't go, you know, do these wild, crazy things? Or are you going to feel like, hey, man, I missed out massively on a possibly huge opportunity if I stay here? He didn't tell him to leave. He basically gave him the tools to analyze his risk aversion, whether he was really going to be a regret. Was he going to regret? Was that the type of being he was going to be? Some people don't regret. Some people are just happy status quo. That's right. That's right. No, that's a great story. Yeah. And he obviously came back and he said, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, lo and behold, there we, there we are. Yeah. And I think regrets are, are, you know, I mean, we're all going to have certain regrets. I yeah. know maybe yeah. you didn't get into an investment early enough or, oh, you hire that person that that turned out to be a Jeff Bezos, right? Right. Um, but I, I just read some chapters. I haven't really taken on the whole book yet by Daniel Pink. It's called The Power of Re Regrets. And mm -hmm. he he went and interviewed like, I don't know, thousands of people, uh, leaders around the world to talk about their regrets, yeah. all sorts of regrets. And he talks about how the regrets is a way to look into the future, really. Yeah. It's yeah. not something that process. you should, yeah, be ashamed of. So I, I definitely look at the past and, and, and look at regrets. And in my case, usually when I didn't take a chance on something, um, I, I end up kicking myself. So yeah. I yeah. just, I take chances, man. And I'm okay. If I don't land on my feet, that, that's what I always know about the, that's important. this whole take your risk thing. It's like, if it doesn't work out, man, I, I always say about my coffee, my coffee's still going to taste great the next day. <laughs> that's great. So yeah. I, I'm still going to do it. Yeah. So, no, man, that's really beautiful. And that that's a, you bring up such a great point. It's the, what's the ramifications? What's the worst, you know, go through, go through the worst possible scenario in your mind. And it's likely not going to be that, you know, most things are never as bad as your imagination makes them out to be anyway. Right. And I'm not right. trying to say, go be cavalier and zip off to Vegas and throw everything on red and your whole family's right. now in destitution because you did that. No, no. Or Shiba or, or Doge or yeah, oh God, <laughs> some yeah. cryptocurrency that you're like yeah. throwing it all in. Because I have those friends too, you know, who, yeah, who are, are, are doing that. I'm like, listen, you could still do it, but like just do 10% of your total net worth. You don't have to go throw 50% into something that sure. is not really all there. I mean, I invest in crypto. I, I have for quite a while, but I'm not going to invest a hundred percent. That's to me, that's not risk. That's just stupid. And yeah, that's gambling. And it, 
and I'm okay with that. Like the Michael Saylors of the world and all these guys who are on the other side, they right. stand to benefit if there's more demand. So they're like, no, yeah, I'm putting everything into crypto. Wow. And I'm like, well, that's good. You're spinning that because that web is going to benefit you. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, when you get into these small microcosms, and I think that's a really good one to sort of zero in on just for a little bit of time we have remaining because man, crypto, because I'm in tech, of course, people assume I've got some huge inside track on it. And I'm like, no, I don't guys. I mean, honestly, this thing is decentralized by design. It's not meant to be controlled by a single group. And then furthermore, sadly, the, the weird dichotomy is that it is. Elon Musk does one tweet and the thing goes, you know, flies off, you know, the handle. And then it, then it plummets because it's just a short lived wave. And man, people live in, you know, having heart attacks from one minute to the next on that. It's just no way to go. Um, yeah. I've done well with it. I mean, but I, because I've applied the exact principles you did, which is I didn't go above and beyond. Um, uh, you know, not perfect here. I admit I probably should have exited at certain points that I didn't. We all Same do here. no matter how much yeah. experience you have. You're like, man, eh, it's got a little more room to grow. No, I didn't, you know, now it plummets, you know, and then you're like, crap, now I got to wait for another however long for it to find its way back up. You know, there's things like that. It happens to everyone, no matter how seasoned you are. Um, yeah. And it's funny because you said formula before. There is absolutely a formula for your lifestyle design, like you're talking about, but there's no formula for like magical money machines, you know, like crypto. I mean, that's, that's luck of the draw. And a lot of it is pipe dreams and a lot of smoke and mirrors. People will say it. They'll, they'll fake it till they make it. And that's how they. Well, well, for sure, Kareem. I mean, I see it in, in my industry, you know, there's these guys that you see on YouTube, you know, they're like, they build these funnels that are, they almost feel like pyramid schemes. You know, you come in and you become a member before you know you're out 10 grand and you were supposed (laughs) to get in coaching and and you're like yeah i'm saying like these things don't work man like and these guys always have like the rented lamborghini and house on the water in the background and they're like i please don't believe this kind of crap man i mean and to me it's it's a it's a an annoyance that uh facebook google and these companies actually allow these guys to advertise and take people's money because that's right they should have no place in advertising and and i look at these guys all the time to see what what are they doing and i'll study their funnel their email and i'll register and do all of that and i'm able to show people like this is yeah bullshit man yeah Yeah. but they build a compelling story they'll tell you that man i was at the bottom and then i did Mm -hmm. this and that and the other and then then i found tiktok or i found (laughs) you know i'm a youtuber now and yeah and, and I mean, it, it just doesn't, doesn't work. Everybody. So what I tell my kids, listen, every day when you wake up, whether it's your smartphone, the video game, the TV, whatever, whatever form of media it is, mm-hmm. everybody is, there's this like virtual hand trying to get into your pocket and rip your money away. Like, absolutely right. And I say, well, but you're in marketing daddy. And I'm like, well, I know, but there's an ethical way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's a wrong way of doing it. And companies like we were watching the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, I mean, that's all that's about. It's yeah. about consumerism. Everybody's just trying to sell you more stuff. Yep. But that's you right. have to be smart about it, you know? Completely, man. No, it's really good advice. And now more than ever, they're, they're, they've got all this intelligence. And I obviously know that we, maybe we should do a follow-up call on this one or follow-up podcast on the methods because you know the marketing piece and I know the technical gathering gather that is that people forget that they already have a profile of you that's incredibly deep maybe even i even did something on uh, a news broadcast they were talking about spotify's intelligence gathering capabilities on you based on your music and i was telling the anchor about he was you know he knew the obvious like well they know which songs i listen to they kind of compare same genres and they somehow give me a really good recommendation somehow magically and i said man that's not even a fraction they know where you are when you're listening to the music they know how you're moving like which neighborhoods you're in they know the demographic of the neighborhood that you're in because they do the google mapping based on the ip space of where you live they know exactly which things to market to you yeah and i'll give you i'll give you a good example i mean facebook this year um this is according to facebook they're estimated to lose 10 billion Mm dollars of ad revenue because of the apple updates ios 15 um where obviously Apple for nine years, mm-hmm. they got paid billions of dollars to give your ID 
to Facebook and the 19,000 developers on the Facebook platform. And then all of a sudden, Apple wants to be the good guy and say, oh, okay, we actually do care right. about your privacy. And everybody's following suit, right? No more third party cookies and whatnot. But here's the thing. They can cry wolf all, all day. And actually, Google has been emailing us to write to Congress about right. the bill that is going through and they're going to regulate them. I don't care what, yeah. you know, that it's coming it is. because they, they paint security to be privacy. And there's a oh, big difference man. between the two. Right. But yeah. what I will say to the small business owners who've been hearing this spin from Facebook and Google and everybody like, Oh my God, it's going to really hurt your small business. I'm like, listen, first of all, yes, that's awesome that they used to have all this data and it's going away, including like your race, your age, your income, all of that. Great. So they're not going to be able to collect that anymore, but they pay third party companies, data companies, like the one that everybody knows Experian. I'm like, did you know that they pay Experian mm -hmm. per ping? To, to match your record to your social security and to your credit score. Yeah. So even if you say, well, I didn't give Facebook any data about my credit score or they Google, they bought it, man. And you're like, well, but no, no. Experian doesn't sell that. I'm like, they don't mm -hmm. go on their website and tell them that you're a company that wants to buy data on people in whatever geographic area. They will what? sell it to you, man. Everybody's selling your data. And so it, it, this whole thing about, you know, the future of, of where things are going back to what I was saying about consumerism, there's no way to beat it. I think you mentioned in one of your podcasts, Kareem, how you were away from social media for quite a while. Yeah, I exactly. could speak to that because I was away for like five years wow. for the last, well, 2015 to 2020. But once I came back into doing the podcast and the book yeah. and all of that, same thing you said, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I have to be there because yeah. if if the people that I'm trying to cater to, that's where they are, I, I, I'd be kind of a hypocrite to say, well, you you should just come to my website because I'm special. No, I got to be there, too. But you got to be careful because yeah. these companies, they're trying to get as much information as possible. No doubt. And they're good at security, but they're not good at your privacy. No. And I, I have to tell you, sad to say, they're not that good at security either, man. <laughs> I'm Probably sorry. Right. News, but yeah, yeah. The problem is they're, they're unscrupulous with your privacy. That's more of a willy nilly. Well, you know, we'll just tap. But then the security piece, there's just no match to the adversaries looking to get your data. And unfortunately they're using that to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, people, people don't realize some of these things that I'm dealing with do trickle down to the individual. And again, I mean, I know about a huge rabbit hole on that one, but it, because the thing is that your identity isn't easily, uh, this notional idea that their services to protect your identity, they're unfortunately completely just, that's complete crap. Sorry, I'm going to call it what it is <laughs> because the best they're going to be able to do is lock your credit report in the exact things you're talking about. These private sector organizations, not governmentally maintained or owned that have the right to do what they want with this data. And somehow they've gotten such power, man, Experian and Equifax, TransUnion. I'm not trying to demonize those three companies specifically, no. but the fact of the matter is they've gotten this brand that somehow people just assume they're some sort of nonprofit. They assume they're some sort of governmental, you know, good natured. No, it's a business, man. You know, and, and, you know, you serve the attention economy. That's literally what I've heard the term is for marketing. Mm -hmm. It's the selling, it's getting the eyeballs, getting the attention. If you can leverage more of that, the better you are. It's the way of the world. Like you said, we both got on social media, much to my dissatisfaction for all kinds of reasons. I had no choice. Yeah. I, I have one good example so that we can yeah. leave it on a good note here. Sure, man. There is one good example in the, the world of, you could call it gaming, social media tools. There's one great example, Wordle. Wordle, when, when Wordle came out a few months back, to me, and New York Times bought it for, I don't know, 10 million, 20 million, something like that. I know it's like seven, eight figures. Right. Um, it's, it's about the only game or entertainment tool online that doesn't take you down this rabbit hole. It's right. basically like, look, you spend five minutes solving this little puzzle. Mm -hmm. You get a boost of dopamine, right? You're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And we don't ask you to socialize, give more data, cool. more information. And I thought, this is just so cool, man, because every tech company that develops anything that's entertaining. That's right. Could be Fortnite, could be whatever. Their goal is, let me make you sit in front of this thing like a zombie so that I can pour out your data. 
totally right. Or monetize it. And I just think that Wordle for me is like, it, it shows the, the tens of millions of people who are using it every day, even though it was bought by a big, bigger media yeah. company. It shows that there's a need. People want that, man. They're tired of man. endlessly scrolling. I'll tell you, man, we should, we should get our respective businesses off and humming completely free. And then you and I go found a company called ethical apps, man, and go build some things that actually don't do these kinds of harvesting of Intel and just yeah. you know, there for the sake of you enjoying it, man. You're right. It's there's few and far between, especially for kids. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, good... I tried to educate my kids with the homeschool, everything like, listen, we can't just go on this website or that website. Well, as a matter of fact, like if you have a VPN, they're yeah. not going to even allow you to play you know, Amazon Prime or Netflix or Disney, because they're like, sorry, you got to get off the VPN. Right. I'm explaining to them, like, why do they want that? Because they don't want you to filter anything. They need to know exactly where you are, right. the exact IP. And <laughs> it's just too much, man. Yeah, it is, man. It is. There's nothing that is purely for the purposes of what it's supposed to be anymore. It's all a, a subversive smoke and mirrors. Let's lure them in with this hook and then we'll, we'll get, we'll extract all this information. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, the kids don't know any better, man. I mean, YouTube and the rest of them, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, they're, if there's any place that AI is living safe and well, it is in these marketing environments. I'll tell you, that is, that is the area. And you, it's funny, you and I should do a compare notes on that because everyone thinks AI is in security and no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Big research is into the commerce side of the AI piece. I mean, that's really where they're going to make their money. You know, there's a great two great apps that you can mention to your listeners or if they're listening, everyone struggles with creating content, even blogs for SEO and all of that. Yeah. And two great apps that uh, we've been using for about a year now. One is called Jenny.ai Jenny. and the other one is Jarvis. Um, dot AI as well. And what they both do is like you, you, you write a sentence, you give some context, you tell it what keywords you want it to create, like what right. the article is about. And within a few minutes, boom. You've got a 500 or a thousand or a 2000 word article written. Wow. And by the way, written really decent, like better than if you bought it on Upwork or Fiverr or, or from That's some bad. freelancer. So it's AI, right? It's scraping yeah. the web and it's putting it all together. It's make, you can ask it to make it conversational or serious or whatever. Wow. Two great AI tools that um, you can create a free account and test it out. You can right. even write your ads for you so that you have better calls to action and headlines. Really? Yeah, yeah. Man, that's great advice. I'm going to check it out, man. I'm curious about yeah. that. I think I've probably heard of them, but I never checked them out. So I'm going to do that now. Yeah. But, um, but Alex, hey, man, this has been really cool. And, you know, albeit the the false starts with some of the crazy tech <laughs> that's trying to work for us. But I think we're good. I think we pulled it off. But uh, let's do let's do a reprise of this at some point. I think we have many more things to talk about. And I think, you know, we touched on a, a bunch of tangents that we could drill down into. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. No, it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me here. Sure, man. I really appreciate it. And I'll let you know when this thing's out. And yeah, man, let's schedule another one soon. Absolutely. All right. Take Thanks, care. Kareem. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.